Welcome to this week's message at Corner Bible Church. We're so glad that you could join us. If you'd like more information on our church, you could check us out at our website, cornerbiblechurch.com, or you can like or follow us on Facebook. Now here's this week's message. Thank you for listening. Right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4, verse 31. Luke chapter 4, verse 31, and we'll go through 41 together. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Rich. I am one of the teaching pastors here at Corner Bible. And just so you guys are aware, yes, I am in a suit. Okay, I've heard most of you say that. I said last week I was going to wear one to show and prove that I own one. Yes, I even have a tie clip, okay? And I, yes, my, my watch matches my tie, okay? So when I get dressed up, I actually like it to all match, but here I am. So I never have to do this again. I think this is the first time in six years, seven years, that I've been here that I've ever wore a suit. And so hopefully I can go another seven years without anybody being offended. Actually, a lady, I was leaving, I think she was in the service actually, last week we were leaving and she goes, Rich, I prefer you to wear your hoodie and your, your me too, me too. So last week we got into our text and, and we've been in Luke for the last two months, last three months actually, and what we're trying to do is pick apart this question, who is Jesus? Because as Pastor Mike articulated in the video there has been so many things done in Jesus' name that were not actually of Jesus. Now, some of you might go, oh, but it's true. There's been a lot of wars, a lot of political movements, a lot of people that have proclaimed the name of Jesus without actually being under the authority of Christ. Sometimes we can do the same things. We can make promises do things, say things that are actually out from the authority of Christ, that people know that we proclaim Christianity so they ex their expectations are that we meet what we said. How many of you are people of expectation? You guys have expectations of others? Anybody? Okay, we're going to try this one more time. Anybody an expectation person? There we go. Thank you. Now we're awake. Here we are. And those of you that are still stubborn, we'll talk to you after service. We all have expectations. I am a man of expectation. But as my wife has often told me, Richard, expectations are harmful. I ended last week with this very statement that sometimes our expectations can distort the reality of our situations. Because I know personally that I've had some expectations that did not match up with what I seen in front of me, and it created conflict in my heart. Anybody else? And what we seen last week as we move into this week is Jesus is in Nazareth. Jesus has received the Holy Spirit. He went out into the wilderness. He had some ministry time, and now he ended up in Nazareth, and the people of Nazareth had expectation of Jesus twofold. This community is the community that had raised Jesus. They knew all about his birth, not the magical part, but the part where Mary was unwed. You see, not everyone gets to believe, and we see it in Scripture, not everyone really believes the story. Their expectation was, although this man spoke with authority, is this, this is what the Scripture said, is this not Joseph's son? 
little sarcasm, isn't this not the carpenter's son? Who is this Jesus? And then as he taught them and he said, hey, I'm reading out of the Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah, and, and here it is, I've come to fulfill this, they all of a sudden start to remember those things and their expectations for Jesus. Hey, we raised you. Do some more. You guys ever asked Jesus to do some more? He's done something really, really awesome in your life, and instead of being grateful, you're kind of like, Anybody ever done that? Just a few of us? A few of us. Expectation. The gap between the reality of the situation and what we expect is often distorted. These individuals... Nazareth had expectations of Jesus' humanity that distorted the reality of his divinity. He was still doing healing. I asked this last week, and I'm just going to state it again. There are a lot of us in the room, if there was a man going around healing people, we would be mesmerized by that. We've seen it. They try to make it a secret sauce. It can't happen, right? They, they, there's movements of this. They were mesmerized by it, but then when he challenged them because of their arrogance and expectation of what he would do for them, they try to kill him. They take him to the edge of the cliff in the town, and they try to kill him, and because it was not his time, and I don't know how this, and I'm not going to try to perceive how this happened, but it, the scriptures say Jesus walked down the middle of them. Like a cloud come over their eyes, and what were we doing again? I know some of us are like that often, so I can imagine that it would happen. Which leads us to our text today. He walks down the middle of them, and he continues in his ministry, and it starts like this in verse 31 of Luke 4. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out, cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What are you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out and reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. We see in verse 38, and he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. This is Peter's house, who is one of his disciples. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are 
the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Now let's take this piece by piece. In verse 31 it says, And went, he went down to Capernaum in the city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. Now, this is twofold here. What we see is he's actually teaching in their synagogue, a lot like what we're experiencing here today. He's teaching, and these people were all astonished because his word possessed authority. Isn't this the same thing that was stated about the people of Nazareth? That they were astonished at his word because his words possessed authority. Now, if it's mentioned once, we're like, okay, it might have been haphazardly, even though we know the scripture's not that way. If it's mentioned twice, we probably should pay attention to it, right? Well, this is actually mentioned three times. We'll see it again next week. But this is mentioned so much so that we have to go, why were these people astonished at this man's authority? Because they heard people like me preaching at them all the time, reading the scrolls over and over and over and over again, so much that they were probably falling asleep like many of you do. When others were speaking during this time frame, the rabbis would often quote other rabbis. And they would say, Rabbi so-and-so thinks this, Rabbi so-and-so thinks this, Rabbi so-and-so thinks this. But Jesus said, and we know this to be true, those of you that have read the scriptures, oftentimes I say to you. Or they, he appeals directly to the scriptures. And he speaks them out as having belief in them. So it's not just that he's proclaiming authority. He's not borrowing authority from anywhere. He's saying, this is what the word says. And he's speaking it with such authority because he believes it to be true. He believes it to be true. The question for us is, do we believe these words to be true? Now, he was the word in the flesh dwelling among us, and he left us his word. He left us himself so that we might have the ability to speak with the same authority. He says, I, it's better that I go. You can have the Holy Spirit, right? And it's crazy, he says, even greater works are you going to do. I would go, that's probably a far cry from, from what we're actually going to do, but that's what he said to us. So they were astonished at the fact that he spoke authority. Now, with authority. Now, the last time we've seen a group of people astonished, they were astonished until Jesus taught them something they didn't like. You guys ever been taught something you didn't like before? They were astonished, and then when he taught them something they didn't like, he ended up on a cliff ready to die or be cast out because they didn't like the authority anymore. Another question can be posed to us is, what do we do with the authority of Christ in our life when he teaches us something we don't like? Or our expectation of what it was isn't the reality of what it is. What happens when we learn something to be true in Scripture that we thought or expected was one way, and all of a sudden when we're taught it and when the Holy Spirit reveals it to us, the reality is different than we expected? Do we take it to the edge of the cliff and push it off, cast it aside, or do we internally challenge and change our own hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us? 
which one do we do? We see two different people groups here. This, these people do not cast Jesus aside. They don't, these ones don't try to kill him. People of Nazareth who were closest to Jesus' humanity challenge for us to think through all of these things. Verse 33, and it says, And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Now we're getting into a little bit of a a differentiation here that Luke is doing. Luke has talked all through the first four chapters about the Holy Spirit, and the power that he has gifted to us through it, both to John the Baptist, to Jesus, and when Jesus departs his gift to us, we've spent a lot of time talking about how without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. And here we see Luke start to identify that there are two separate spirits in this world. We see it throughout the scripture. There's these demonic spirits. They can be this, they can be that, they can whatever. Okay, there's a lot of different thoughts on that, but we're, we're seeing that there's two distinct voices that are battling for your and my affection. And they tried to tempt Jesus too, and they battled for his affection. The important part of this is when we see this individual cry out with a loud voice in what he says. Because he's in the middle of the synagogue, he's teaching, and out of nowhere, a man stands up and says, Ha! What do you have to do with us, Jesus? Now, if something like that happened in our church, what would you do? Some of you would throw things at people. Other people would say, Sit down, fool! What's wrong with you? Uh, That's how I would say it. Probably not how you guys would say it. A little more articulate than I am. But what happens here is the demon encourages this individual, forces this individual to stand up and cry out in the middle of the synagogue. Because the only thing that demons can do is distort our expectations of who Jesus is. You see, these things, as we've heard in the songs that are all biblical, Do not have any control or authority over you and I. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the ultimate authority. And those of us that are marked with the Holy Spirit have his seal and sign of the covenant. And we also, too, have been gifted back what Adam was gifted in the garden, which was what? Authority that he gave away. So this demon-possessed man stands up in the synagogue while they're teaching and he cries out and everybody is now looking at him. This is not to confuse Jesus because how many of you know Jesus does not get confused, right? This is not to confuse Jesus, but it is to confuse the people that are hearing in the congregation, in the synagogue. How many of you have heard a word on Sunday that absolutely trashed you internally, changed your heart? But then on Monday, you would have never known it. Anybody been there before? Okay, just a few of us, right? All of us, we've all been there. 
Because somewhere between Sunday when you heard it and Monday when it was time to live it out, the gap of expectation changed. It was distorted. It was manipulated by somebody or something in your life or even your own flesh, as it says in James. That's what we're tempted by, our own evil desires, right? There's something between the two things that created a gap in our expectation of what living it out was going to look like. And that's all the demons can do. That's all those things that we deal with can do is distort our expectation. How many of you struggle with anxiety? Anybody struggle with anxiety? That's a thing, isn't it? It's hard. It's difficult. And I'm not going to make light of it by any means. I myself have struggled with anxiety, depression. But you see, those things are really a distortion of the reality we're living in. And as we go through counseling and we try to work our way through it, ultimately what it comes down to is they're trying to clear up our distorted expectation. And those things are all good, but ultimately along the line somewhere we allowed a thought or something to come in that distorted our expectation of the authority that Jesus has given us. I am minus two minutes from closing here. Um, Have you come to destroy us? There's two questions the demon asks here. He says, ha, what have you to do with us? I hear this, us. Have you come to destroy us? Twofold. First, what are you to do with us? He is taking possession over this person, right? So this is plural. He, he is saying we, we believe this scholarly to be a, a single demon-possessed man, not a multitude of demons. But what we, we see here is that he is saying, what are you going to do with us? Asking and posing the question for all of the hearers to see how Jesus is going to respond when this demon tries to take authority over this person's life. And he asks the next question, are you going to destroy us? Jesus read out of Isaiah in Nazareth, a very specific scroll, that he had come to set the who free? Captives. This man is captive right now, isn't he? To bondage, desolation, whatever this demon tells him in his head, and he does it. He's held captive. So this question is not just to challenge Jesus' authority overall over this person. It's to challenge these people's expectation and perception of who Jesus said he was. Who is Jesus? But the demon knows. He asks about the man twice, but then when he proclaims the name of Jesus, he says, I know who you are. When it comes to proclaiming that Jesus is the Holy One of God, that is only your choice and your choice alone. The demons, the anxieties, the things that try to take us captive in our lives and in our walk have no authority over whether or not we proclaim Jesus' name. You see, the expectation in the room was trying to be distorted, but if the people listened real well, they would recognize that this demon has no authority over this man in the presence of Jesus. 
The same as we sing the songs that anxieties have no authority over us, yet we succumb to them. The same thing that we believe that Jesus can heal and we proclaim that Jesus' name is healing and is power, yet don't walk in it. Because yes, some have distorted healing in our culture and there are churches that create a brand over come in here and I'm going to heal you, yet then shut down when COVID happens. You see, that's a distortion of what the Spirit's power has been gifted to do. Do we believe that Jesus' name is healing? Do we believe that he has power and authority over anxiety? Do we believe that he has control and authority over all things? There's a distortion in our expectation. Because we say he can. Yet we try to handle these things in our own power. We try to proclaim anything that we can except for the name of Jesus. There is power and authority in Jesus' name. But what we have to realize is that the Lord does what the Lord wills. Amen? We cannot manufacture, we cannot concoct anything aside from the Lord's will. Jesus even prays in the garden. What does he pray? Let your will be done. The high priestly prayer. The prayer that is spoken to his disciples, it all ends with your will be done. And if there's one thing I believe that we have to change as a people, as a church, is our expectation of his will versus the hope for our own to be done. There's one young man, and I'll conclude with this, that I spoke with this past week, and we were working through some marriage counseling. And we've been just, you ever been in in those times where you're just plowing through together and you're just laboring together and it doesn't feel like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. This young man expressed those things to me and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he broke down weeping and he said, I'm just afraid of God. Anybody afraid of the Lord? And I'm not talking about in awe of. Just genuinely scared of what his will might be in your life. Because okay? in this young man expressed what I believe a lot of us won't say. He said, because I could pray that my car is broke down and I need to get a new one, and God could fix it by me getting a car accident and the insurance giving me a new one. Kind of like grossly out there, but God can work in that way, can he? Some of us pray prayers like, please do it, but you're like, but this way? Anybody pray that prayer before? There's a gap in our expectation. Either you are a complete follower of Jesus Christ or you're the people of Nazareth. Capernaum and Nazareth have two separate impacts on Jesus' ministry. Nazareth people saw his humanity and wanted him to be a genie like their potion makers of their culture. Do this for me. And Capernaum received it, was astonished by it, even though there was a demon-possessed man that tried to distort it, their expectation was, Lord, your will be done. They realize there's power, there's authority in Jesus' name. And those things are true. But our prayer has to be, Lord, let your will be done. Church, do we believe that God can move? Do we believe that God can speak? 
we say yes. So let's not doubt it. And when he says, do something, let's, like we tell our children, you better get that done. Let's do it. (laughs) Prayers must be, though. Can't say this enough. We cannot secret sauce this. We cannot make something bigger than it is. We have to pray, Lord, your will be done. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for our time together today. Lord, pray for your clarity of our minds and wisdom to be able to continue to grow, Lord. Again, we're so grateful for who you are, Lord, and I pray that you would clear up distorted depictions of who you are, Lord, what you can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message here at Corner Bible Church. If you would like more audio resources, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Or you can go online and visit us on our webpage at cornerbiblechurch.com.